For tuning in to the 169th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to your podcasts, whatever app you may use. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York. Gonna have a great show for you all today. We are going to be continuing our 20 for 20. With uh, Ben Karen, we've done this the last couple of weeks for the Monday edition of the show. The first time we did our most favorite and iconic, our top 20 favorite and iconic athletes of all time. Then last week we did our top 20 people in sports media. And now, for this show, we are going to do our top 20 teams of all time since the 2000s. So I hope all of you find that interesting and fun. And I also want to give a... uh, Shout out to my guy, Max Edelstein, for letting me and Connell, my friend Connell and uh, Bella, come over to his uh, house on the lake. We had a great time, and I promised him I'd give him a shout out. So, Max, this is your shout out, my guy. Now, cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. And we are going to dive into our top 20 sports teams of uh, the 2000s all the way to 2000 to 2020. So how are you doing, Ben? I'm great. How are you tonight, Daryl? I'm doing fabulous. So, Ben, I'm going to have you start off. Who do you have at number 20? Number 20 for me is the 2008-2009 Los Angeles Lakers team. Uh, they posted a really impressive uh, regular season record of 65-17. and 17. It's like a 79% uh, winning percentage. And they were 16-7 and seven in the playoffs. And I remember this NBA Finals uh, very clearly, and they just blew the Orlando Magic off the floor in five games. And they were just incredibly dominant throughout that entire season. That's a good one, uh, the uh, 08-09 Lakers. Kobe's fourth championship. And I do remember they they dismantled uh, the Magic. So for me at for me at pick twenty, uh, I have the two thousand eight Boston Celtics. Uh, that's the team that actually beat the Lakers uh, the year prior. The team that you just mentioned. I have them at twenty because I believe they had the best record in the league the year they won. Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett. They have Rajon Rondo. They have guys like Tony Allen coming off the bench, James Posey, who were very good, and. 
they, they kind of put a, a whooping on the Lakers. They beat them in six games, but they kind of controlled that whole series. So I have the 2008 Boston Celtics at number 20. I think that's a very good pick. You might end up seeing that team on my list eventually as well. Uh, coming from the New England area, I can certainly tell you everybody was excited for the Celtics. I know I even had a Kevin Garnett uh, shirt. Uh, so we were all in. I was uh, even dating the girl from uh, Bill Ricca at the time, which is really close to uh, Boston. So um, we were all in that summer. And, and I was uh, kind of geographically in that area some as well. Now, who do you have at 19? At 19, I have the 2016-2017 Clemson Tigers football team. Uh, now, they went 16-1 uh, this year. Um, Dabo Sweeney is the head coach. Deshaun Watson uh, is the quarterback. And this was the year that I'll never, ever forget when they beat Ohio State. 31-0 in the Fiesta Bowl and then ended up beating Alabama in the closing seconds for the championship. Had it not been for a small trip up against Pittsburgh, they might be a lot higher on my list. Yeah, they lost to Nathan Peterman, Ben. <laughs> so close to perfection. Now, for me at uh, 19, I have... The 2008 Florida Gators with Tim Tebow. They were really good. Uh, they had one loss that year. They were not quite perfect. Uh, beat Oklahoma in the national championship game. Uh, had guys like Percy Harvin, Aaron Hernandez. They were a really, really solid team and were really dominant in the SEC. So I have the 2008 Florida Gators. So who do you have at 18? At 18, I'm going to go with the 2011-2012 Miami Heat. Uh, they have 46-20 uh, regular season record, 16-7 uh, in the playoffs, and kind of the same deal as the Lakers, who I mentioned earlier. They just dominated in the finals against a young um, Kevin Durant-led OKC team and beat them in five. No, I'm probably going to have that team a little bit uh, higher on my list. But, yeah, Miami was great when you when you have LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. And they really kind of showed Oklahoma City the ropes in that series. It was a really dominating series, and you could see the difference between, between LeBron and uh, Kevin Durant. Now, for me at 18, I have another Boston team, a team that you know, and you might have some contention with this, Ben, but I have the 2007 New England Patriots. Now, the reason I have them at 18 is, even though they did not win, that's the only thing they didn't do. They had uh, the Giants pulled off one of the greatest upsets in uh, NFL history. They needed an Eli Manning miracle pass <laughs> to beat the Patriots. That whole year, the Patriots were dominant. We know that Brady set a record for touchdown passes. So did Randy Moss. And they were destroying teams. It wasn't even close. So I have the New England Patriots at two thousand at the two thousand seven New England Patriots at eighteen. And they, if they win, you know, they're obviously probably in the top five for me. I wonder how do you feel about that, Ben? Um, 
feel pretty good about that about uh, your selection there, Daryl. Again, that might be a team that you might see even higher on my list. Um, you know, just as they're going through that regular season on their way to 16-0, and 0, they actually decided to televise the last game of the season for the Patriots so that people could watch nationwide. It was kind of a spectacle. They actually uh, played the New York Giants in the last game of the regular season. Uh, and it was a little bit tighter than people had expected. So is a little bit of maybe a precursor to what was going to happen to them in the Super Bowl. Now, who do you have at 17? In 17, um, I'm going to go with the 2015 Ohio State uh, Buckeye football team. They were 14-1, and one, of course, that year. Had that little bit of a trip up at the shoe um, against Virginia Tech, uh, but bounced back very nicely. And, you know, the, the most incredible thing of all with this team and why they make the list is the fact, Daryl, that, that they beat Alabama and then Oregon back-to-back and actually Wisconsin as well in the Big Ten Championship. And they did all of that with third-string quarterback Cardell Jones. Urban Meyer came up with an amazing game plan. And Ezekiel Elliott was probably the most dominant running back that I've ever seen in college or the pros in that last month of the season to help kind of carry that team to the national championship. And they ended up blo- they blew out Alabama in the semi, right? Alabama was close, 42-35, but they, they knocked out Oregon 42-20 in the championship. Okay, but I do remember some, no, they blew out Wisconsin, excuse me. It was Wisconsin they blew out, right? Yes. And, and like I said, they did a, a real number on Oregon, too. Right from the get-go, that game wasn't even close. Now, for me, uh, at pick 17, I have the 2020 Kansas City Chiefs with that just won the past Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins. We saw time and time and again how explosive the team was, for God's sake. I mean, they were doing pretty good when Patrick Mahomes got hurt in the regular season, and they had Matt Moore starting a couple games for them. And it always seemed like it was never in doubt, right? They're down against Houston. What do they do? They blitz back, They blitz back, and it seems like after, like, 20 minutes, you know, they're down by 15, and now they're up by 30, right? Like, <laughs> then you see them, they do the same thing to the Titans, and then they are able to score and move the ball against the San Francisco 49ers, who I think most people would say have the best defense in the NFL. It was pretty incredible. I've, I've never seen another team, as long as I've watched uh, NFL, uh, that's been down double digits in multiple playoff games and come back to win by double digits. I actually think that was a record for them, uh, that they were able to achieve that a couple times. Uh, a very interesting team, very fun to watch. Now, who do you have at uh, 16? Are you on? What, what are you on now? I'm on number 16, and I have the 2009-2010 New Orleans Saints. So they went 13 and three that season, and that was their Super Bowl run. Important to note, they beat Brett Favre and the Minnesota Vikings in overtime. So that was a really good team in the NFC Championship game. And then uh, Drew Brees, Marcus Colston and company 
ended up beating Peyton Manning and the Colts 31-17 in the Super Bowl. So they beat a couple of really good teams that, that year. And, you know, also when I think about the Super Bowl run for the New Orleans Saints, uh, just kind of putting it in context how much it meant to the city after Hurricane Katrina just a few years earlier. And really before Drew Brees got to New Orleans, they were a laughing stock, and he really turned them into serious contenders. And, you know, he's still doing that uh, over a decade later. Now for me at number 15, excuse me, not 15, number 16, I have the 2004 USC Trojans. They went undefeated, 13-0. You have Lindell White, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinard. You have two guys on the team that would end up winning Heisman's, Matt Leonard, and then it would go on to be Reggie Bush. And just dominant. And kind of brought a, a level of coolness and excitement to college football. And uh, obviously it's, it's kind of, you know, apropos because Reggie Bush just got his uh, Heisman back and it just kind of brings you back to how good those teams were and how good he was. And they're very good. That was a, a dynasty, and that was kind of like the revival of Pete Carroll after he fell on his face in the NFL the first time around. Uh, so uh, it, uh, that dynasty did a lot for Pete Carroll and his legacy as well. Now, Ben, who do you have at 15? At number 15, I have that 2007-2008 uh, Boston Celtics team. Uh, that you have already mentioned on your list a little bit earlier, um, with the big three of Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen. Rondo uh, was in his early years, but he's playing pretty well as well. And uh, as you mentioned, they had Tony Allen coming off the bench. It is a really strong team. Uh, and just a couple of really interesting points about this Celtics team. Um, they win 66 and 16. And they have the best single-season uh, turnaround in NBA history because the Celtics were pretty bad the year before. And on top of that, they also played the most playoff games ever played during uh, that playoff run that uh, ended with them beating the Lakers 4-2 and controlling that series. So Did hard fought and well-deserved for the Celtics at number 15 for me. How underrated do you think those Celtics teams were? Because I feel like people don't talk about them a lot. People, when people talk about the greatest NBA teams, they always talk about, particularly the 2000s, they'll talk about LeBron and the Heat. They'll talk about the Warriors. But I've, they'll even talk about, you know, the Kobe Lakers that won a couple rings in there. But people don't talk about though that 08 Celtics team and how dominant they were. Well, it, it's a complete seesaw, in my opinion. They are basically inches away from being a dynasty instead of kind of a one-and-done team. When you really stop and look at it over the period of time, KG had some injuries. And, you know, in 2010, they were one game away from winning two championships in three years. And even, you know, a couple years later in 2012, they were one game away from beating the Miami Heat and going back to the championship. So, had a couple of things gone a little bit differently from the Boston Celtics and the Big Three, we might be talking about them as, you know, multiple-time champions and as a dynasty rather than the one-and-done team from uh, 2008. Now, for me at number 15, 
I have the 2017 Houston Astros. They won over 100 games the year they won uh, the World Series. They swept the Red Sox. They beat the Yankees in, uh, in seven games. They beat the Dodgers in seven games. They had one of the best pitching staffs in the MLB with guys like Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. And I believe Jose Altuve had a really huge breakout year. And they were really a complete team. The cheating, uh, notwithstanding, <laughs> sign stealing. But I have them at number 15. I think it's I think it's a good good pick there. Um, just with with some of the things that have been talked about in the media with them, and, and, and you know the possibility of a, of, of a scandal, and a lot of people not really knowing how how deep that might run. I think that's going to kind of taint things for them, unfortunately, to some degree. Uh, but I would agree; it's certainly probably one of the most complete baseball teams we've seen in the last twenty years. Now, number 14, Ben? Number 14 is that team I was excited to talk to you about tonight uh, before we got on air, and that would be the 1999-2000 uh, St. Louis Rams, a.k.a. Greatest Show on Turf. They went 13-3. and Kurt Warner was playing out of his mind, probably the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen play. And, you know, I know people, they talk about Aaron Rodgers and how accurate Aaron Rodgers is. Well, for this one year, Kurt Warner, in my opinion, has probably eclipsed Aaron Rodgers' best year, at least through the eye test. He had the support of Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk. Uh, coach was Dick Vermeil. And, you know, they beat the Minnesota Vikings, who are a really good football team, the year Right before that season, Minnesota had gone 15 and 1. And they also beat the Bucks, who were up and coming uh, before uh, taking down the Tennessee Titans 23 16 in the Super Bowl. And that was uh, the Super Bowl where Derek Mason was reaching out towards the goal line for Tennessee at the end of the game, and he almost scored the touchdown that could have potentially tied things and sent it to overtime. So an exciting Super Bowl and just a really exciting offensive team. Good pick, Ben. That's a really good pick. For me at 14, I have the 2005 Texas Longhorns, which you know had one of the greatest games, part of the, one of the greatest games ever against USC. And they ended USC's dynasty with how well Vince Young played, kind of out-dueling the dynamic duo UFC had at the time with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. After Reggie, after Vince Young didn't get the Heisman, Reggie Bush gets the Heisman over him, and then Vince Young's like, "Okay, let me show you." And it was really that was kind of the peak uh, of Texas. I feel like the last twenty years. I know they made another national championship appearance in there when they played out. They lost to Alabama and uh, McElroy and '09, but I feel like that 05 Texas team at its peak was was amazing, and it's a team that I think is forgotten because I feel like Vince Young's career didn't necessarily pan out the way we thought. But people forget he was a really good college quarterback. Points well made, Daryl. And as much as it's going to pain me to say good things about the Longhorns on your podcast, um, I would probably agree with you. Uh, Vince Young played out of his mind, especially in that championship game. I remember watching that um, when I was in high school, and I mean, it, it just it left me in disbelief. Um, it's too bad that his career didn't maybe 
pan out um, for the better in the NFL, um, but he sure gave us a lot of highlights to remember him by from his college playing days. Now, who you got at 13? Uh, at 13, I'm going to go with the 2001-2002 Los Angeles Lakers. 58 and 24 that season, and this would uh, be the last of the three-peat for Kobe and Shaq. And it would be uh, Phil Jackson tapping off his third three-peat. They're pretty dominant uh, during the regular season, 58 and 24, and then in the playoffs, uh, 15 and 4. I might have put them a little bit higher, but they went seven games against the Kings in the Western Conference Final, but then they bounced back and beat uh, the New Jersey Nets 4 to, four to nothing in the championship. So Los Angeles Lakers pretty dominant throughout the early 2000s, but I think this was their best year. Now, here would be my question for you, Ben. Could we take into account that at that point in time, Kobe and Shaq weren't necessarily feeling each other and that probably made it not as easy as it was in the past for them? I, I think so, and I would I would definitely say yes to that, but I also have to take into account who they actually beat. And, and you know, there are a lot of teams that are probably better than the New Jersey Nets in the last 20 years. So <laughs> it, it, to me, it kind of evens itself out. Now at 13 for me, I have... The 2011 Alabama Crimson Tide, they were part of the game of the century in which they lost to LSU, and a game that they dominated, which is so crazy. LSU, that is actually the example, not to go on a tangent, but that's the example. I think LSU won like 6-9, to nine, but it's the perfect example of a game that the better team in every which way clearly lost, and you're like, how did this happen? And it was horrible quarterback play, great defense. But that Alabama team was dominant. They had, I, I, you can make an argument, the most dominant defense we've seen in the last 20, 25 years. And they have a rematch with that LSU team, as controversial as some people might say that is, and that's probably why we have the playoff system now. And they shut out that LSU team 21-0 to when they get a second crack at them. That's how dominant that 11 Alabama team was. I, I remember watching that national championship, and... And for the record, I was in support of the rematch because it was the game that I think everybody wanted to see, you know. And, um, boy, the, the better team might have not won the first time around, but the better team won in a resounding fashion the second time around. Fun fact for you and all the listeners out there, Alabama did not let LSU get across the 50-yard line for that entire championship game. That's crazy. And they, and they had guys like Courtney Upshaw on that team. Dante Hightower. Defensively, probably one of the most talented college football teams I've ever seen. Now, Ben, for you, who do you have at 12? At 12, I'm going to go with the 2002-2003 San Antonio Spurs. They went 60-22, and 22, and it was really the uh, first of several titles for the Big Three with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. And, you know, uh, another reason why I picked this team is because this is truly the team that ended that first Lakers dynasty with Kobe and Shaq. 
and they really dismantled them in the uh, Western Conference semifinals, four to two. And also, fun fact: this first team, uh, no game in the playoffs, went more than six games for them. So they are just all around pretty dominant. Yeah, people forget how good the Spurs were. I mean, especially in the early 2000s. They, they caused the Lakers a lot of issues. Yeah, they clearly look like the better team in 2003. That was uh, Duncan's uh, MVP year, I believe. Now, for me at 12, I have a pick that you're probably going to like, Ben. The 2013 Seattle Seahawks, they have arguably the greatest uh, greatest secondary ever. You can make an argument in NFL history, they have the greatest secondary ever, the Legion of Boom with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and they have one of the best overall defenses we've seen in the last 20 years. They play the Denver Broncos, who have the number one offense in the NFL, and Peyton Manning's a league MVP setting records. And the Seattle Seahawks decimate them, wipe the floor with them. And really the most embarrassing Super Bowl game that I've ever seen personally watching football. And the Seattle Seahawks just destroyed the Broncos. Yeah, it, it, was, um, it was really a, a demolition. I haven't seen another uh, Super Bowl that lopsided since uh, the Chicago Bears beat the uh, Patriots in 85. It was like 54 to 8. It was something crazy. Uh, what was the question? It was 54 to 8. The Bears versus the Patriots? No, Seahawks versus the Broncos. Oh, 43 to 8. 43 to 8? Yes. Okay, I got it. 43 to 8. Trust me, I have that floor in my heart, man. <laughs> as, as, a, as a Seahawks fan, uh, that uh that's a moment you'll never forget, you know. Not used to winning those championships, so uh, you got to enjoy them as a fan when you can. Now, what team do you have for your 11? Um, my 11 is a team that I enjoy much, much less than uh, the Seahawks, and that would be the 2012-2013 Miami Heat team that uh, knocked my San Antonio Spurs out in the final uh, four to three. Uh, but the Heat team was uh, really dominant. It was probably the height of LeBron, Bosch, and Wade together. They went 66 and 16 that season and 16 and 7 in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, the, um, the finals um, were pretty entertaining. And of course, had it not been for Ray Allen's shot, things might have turned out a little bit differently. Um, like, I digress. Now, for me at pick 11, I'm going to have the Miami Heat as well, but the 2012 Miami Heat team that beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in five games. I think that Heat team, they had LeBron James playing at the highest level of his career. I think we saw LeBron really mature into the player he is now where they're down 3-2 against the Celtics in the conference finals, in the Eastern Conference finals. And he drops 45 points or whatever it was and has that look in his eye that I'm not losing. They bring it back to game seven in Miami and they beat the Celtics. And then we see them 
really just kind of exposed the young Oklahoma City Thunder team. Uh, it just showed how much more experience and grit and how much knowledge of the game they had than Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden did at that time. And we see LeBron at the peak of his powers. Agreed. They were pretty dominant both of those years. Um, right from 2011 through 2013. Now, we're going to take a quick break and then cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get into our top 10 for the greatest teams ever of the 2000 to 2020. Cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Ben Karen with us, and we're talking about the top 20 teams of the last two decades. And now we're into our top 10, our pantheon. So I'm going to lead it off. For me, at number 10, I have the 2014 San Antonio Spurs, a team of redemption, a team that had depth, a lot of shooting, and a lot of scoring. And they were out for revenge. And the Miami team that we were, me and Ben were just talking about before we had the break, the Spurs decimated that team in the finals by a record margin. I believe the series was 1-1, going back to Miami, and all the Spurs did was drill three after three after three, and the ball movement was insane, and they just outclassed a dominant Miami Heat team and, sh- and then put shock to me. So I have those 2014 San Antonio Spurs. And they had, ended up having four Hall of Famers on the team. So that helps too. It always helps. I, I, I really enjoyed that final. Um, I still have a uh, pennant in my office at work uh, from that uh, championship run that the Spurs had. For my number 10, Daryl, I'm going to go ahead and bounce it over to baseball for the first time tonight on my end of things. I'm going with the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Now, they were 98 and 64, but they're really on this list because they, as you may know, ended the curse of the Bandino. Kurt Schilling, Manny Ramirez, Kevin Euclid, Harry Francona. It was just an incredible effort by them. And, you know, being from the New England area, the, the Boston fans are as optimistic as Dallas Cowboy fans every year. You're every year, Boston Red Sox are going to win. You know, and then it ends in disappointment. Boston Red Sox are going to win. Ends in disappointment. But this year, it didn't end in disappointment. And they really did be uh, unthinkable. And at the time, we're the first team to ever come from behind uh, 3-0 in baseball to beat the Yankees in the... Um, in the ALCS uh, before sweeping the St. Louis Cardinals 4 to nothing to win their first championship in almost 90 years. So 2004 Boston Red Sox for me at number 10. Now, was I have a question as a Boston guy. So was the Red Sox curse, was it kind of like how the Cubs had their curse? Yes, very similar. Um, only this one uh, really circulated around the great Bambino uh, Boston traded him to the New York Yankees, uh, and that ended up obviously being a, a bad idea. 
and then Boston really suffered for a long time uh, and went uh, champion without a championship. So it was like amazing for the fan when when Boston finally got it done. And I remember high school, we're you know we're on our way home from a soccer game or whatever. And people on my team, they're listening to the radio. They're like, how's Boston doing? You know, I mean, when you get a team of high school athletes and they're listening to play, play a baseball uh, bus ride home from the, from the soccer game, I mean, that's pretty impressive because basketball and football tend to kind of dominate the culture. Uh, but the Red Sox were able to kind of break through that barrier and uh, really engage a lot of people. Now, for me... At number nine, I have the 2004 New England Patriots, a team with a dominant defense, a team that had an 18-game win streak, which was an NFL record, by the way, before the Patriots uh, beat that win streak through 2006 to 2008 when they won 21 straight games. (laughs) Also that year, they held Peyton Manning's number one offense in the NFL to three points in the postseason. And I think people now, when we talk about the Patriots, they think more about the second act with Brady being older. But people forget how dominant the early 2000 Patriots were on defense. I support everything that you say um, with that team. That was a very good team. And that was also an exciting Super Bowl. At 24-21, they managed to just clip the Philadelphia Eagles. That is the game, of course, that Terrell Owens played in, even though he had like, a broken leg. And ended up being a beast and getting over 100 receiving yards. Uh, very entertaining year. So, Ben, who do you have at number nine? Number nine, I'm going to go with the 06-07 San Antonio Spurs. They went uh, 58 and 24, you know, another year with a winning percentage over 70%. Um, and really for this finals, I know what they did in 2014 might seem more impressive, but this was really Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker at the height of their powers. And, you know, they went 16 and 5 in the playoffs, and of course they, they beat the Steve Nash. Amari Stoudemire, Suns, and some other really good teams, and then just clobbered the Cavaliers in four games in what was probably the most lopsided NBA Finals I've ever seen, even though they didn't win it uh, by necessarily a record margin. Now, Ben, what would you say if I made the argument that the Phoenix Suns should have beat the Spurs that year so they're illegitimate? Well, I would wonder why you felt that way would be, I guess, my first question. You know, I'd like to know what uh, what argument you're standing on for that. If Amari Stoudemire doesn't get suspended, do the, do the Spurs beat the Suns? I think the Spurs win either way because I just think they're that good. I mean, three Hall of Famers all in the prime of their careers. And the Spurs had some good supporting cast uh, players around them as well. You know, I mean, everything's always up for speculation. I mean, we could speculate the same thing about uh, Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors as well. Um, but 
in my opinion, I don't think it makes a big difference in the end result. Now for me at number eight, I have the 2012 Kentucky Wildcats basketball team with Anthony Davis. People forget how good that basketball team was. They dominated everybody. They only had two losses. One was a last-second game winner that they lost to. Uh, they lost to Indiana, and the other one they kind of wet the bed in the SEC championship final against Vanderbilt. But when that team was ready and locked in, they they, they were impossible to beat. And they they would blow out teams by twenty points, and Anthony Davis would only score ten points. That's how they were able to affect the game. They were also one of the first teams to have both their players drafted one and two, with Anthony Davis going one and Michael Kitt Gilchrist going two. So I have the 2012 Kentucky Wildcats at number eight. Yeah, it's a great pick. I remember watching that team. I was like, there's no way they're not winning the championship this year. And that was like a quarter of the way through the season. Now, who you have at eight, Ben? For me at number eight, um, team we just talked about, the 2004-2005 New England Patriots. Uh, they went 14-2, and two, and they now it's their third championship in four years. Tom Brady was starting to come into his own. Teddy Bruschi, you know, still playing at a high level on defense. And, and just when I look at what they did, there were some really good teams in the playoffs. I mean, it's just what put it over the top for me. As you've already mentioned, Bill, they go and they beat uh, Peyton Manning and the Colts 20-3. Uh, to three. Then they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 41-27, and then they cap it off by beating a really good Philadelphia Eagles team 24-21. You know, an average of 11-plus points um, differential in the playoffs. A really impressive team. Probably the best Patriots team from the first act of their dynasty. Yeah, I second everything you just said. Now, for me at number seven, I have the 2008 Boston Red Sox and a team that, you know, another team that is in controversy, just like the Houston Astros, who I named a little bit earlier with the sign-stealing scandal. But that, that 2018 Boston Red Sox team was amazing. They won 108 games. They swept the Yankees. With Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, by the way. They beat the Astros 4-1. The defending World Series championship Astros that I was just talking about earlier. And then they play the Dodgers and they beat them 4-1. And they have Mookie Butts, who's a league MVP for the AL that year. Just the whole way through, it's like they're the best team in the regular season. They're the best team in the postseason. They're the best team in the World Series. Case closed. Yeah, yeah, that team, <laughs> man, that's like coming up against a buzzsaw. Um, I second everything you said. Uh, really, not much else to add on to it except it's probably one of the uh, best baseball teams for the last twenty years. Now, who do you have at seven, Ben? For me, at number seven, I'm going to go with the uh, 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors. Um, and, and I put them so high just because they were able to get to that really impressive mark of 73-9. and nine. Um, 
the best record ever in the regular season for an NBA team. And truthfully, they might have been number one had they not kind of fallen apart down the stretch um, against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals and just kind of fallen off of a cliff. Um, you know, just as we were just talking about with the Amari Stoudemire suspension, you know, we could we could make the same argument for Draymond Green, and who knows, maybe things could have been different. Although I, I know Draymond uh, showed up big time in Game 7. It just wasn't enough, though. Uh, Kyrie and LeBron were pretty much perfect uh, towards the end of that uh, championship run. Interesting pick. I did not have the Warriors on. Uh, I think, personally for me, I mean, I, I thought they should have lost Oklahoma City in the Western Conference Finals. I don't know how they beat Oklahoma City, besides the fact that... Uh, Paul Thompson. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Clay, Clay Thompson had one of the best Game 6s ever. That's how it happened. Yeah, he, he went... Clay Thompson went crazy. But point taken, the Warriors were very good that year. They beat the record that everybody thought was untouchable that Jordan's Bulls set... And 96, winning 72 games, they one-upped it. And they were seconds away from well, winning the championship that year. So I understand your point there, Ben. Now, for me at number six, I have the 2018 Clemson Tigers. The first year Trevor Lawrence starts. Kind of really reboots this Clemson dynasty. Going from the Deshaun Watson-led one to the Trevor Lawrence-led one. I remember you telling me, Ben, when they played Notre Dame that year, you're like, Daryl, they're pitting in four stringers, and they're still rushing the passer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I remember you told me that, Ben, and I'm like, yeah, they are. And then they play Alabama, two is on fire, and all they do is decimate Alabama in every which way you can name, and kind of really start to make us think that there is a challenger to Nick Saban in Alabama that maybe this isn't the Alabama era, that this is the Clemson era. And this team also won 15-0, one of the most games ever by a college football team. Yeah, that, that was a highly impressive effort in that final. They were underdogs going in. be honest with you, I, I was a little bit on the fence, although I really liked um, how much pressure I thought they'd get on the quarterback. But, man, I... I don't think anybody saw it coming, just how badly they blew Alabama out. It's very rare that we have ever seen a uh, Nick Saban team get dominated like that. Now, Ben, who do you have at number six? Number six. um, Along the same vein of the Warriors, kind of the same problem for this team, and that'd be the 2000. 2008 New England Patriots team, uh, the team that went 16 and 0 undefeated for the regular season, only the second team to ever do that. Well, first team I guess to go 16 and 0, and only the second NFL team to ever finish the season undefeated. Um, like I said, it was such a spectacle at the time. They went out of their way to publicly broadcast the game on television, even though it wasn't um, originally going to get broadcasted. And I remember just, you know, all the touchdowns with Brady and Randy Moss and Wes Welker. They actually uh, surpassed 30 points, Daryl, in 12 games and 50 points in four that season. 
they're an offensive juggernaut. And, you know, unfortunately for them, they just fell short um, against Eli Manning and the Giants. I was in college at the time. I was a sophomore. I was living in the dorms. And, you know, being up in Vermont, of course, lots and lots of New England Patriots fans. You could have heard a pin drop in that dormitory. You could have heard a pin drop out on the uh, quad. It was silent after the Patriots lost that game. How surprised are people that they lost? Because I, I remember coming into that, uh, somebody said that they're not going to be able to score the, like 14 points and Brady laughs. And people were shocked. I mean, I, I think people were absolutely flabbergasted that the Patriots lost. And to be quite honest with you, I was one of the people that was shocked. It, it was like shocked enjoyment because I don't really like the Patriots that much, but I... I they, this team, it's just one of those situations, I think, where maybe the better team didn't necessarily win. But hey, Eli pulled one out. <laughs> yeah, I pulled a couple of them out over the course of his career. And that's probably why he's going to go to the Hall of Fame or end up there eventually. But, uh, you know, I, to me, just, it was like no question in my mind that the Patriots would win it all. So. Um, they were really, really dominant, even though they fell short in the Super Bowl. Now, for me, at number five, I have the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. They went 12 and 0. They went 12 and 0. Blew out Nebraska in the national championship game, 37 to 14. I, you know, and everybody knows that this team is probably the most talented team to ever play college football. Surely, the last 20 years, right? They have guys on their team like Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, Vince Wilfork, Sean Taylor, Roscoe Parrish, Antoine Rowley, Kellen Winslow, Ed Reed. Just dominant and so much talent. Yeah, that was a crazy good football team and very entertaining too, my dad. Now, who you got at five, Ben? Number five, I'm actually going to go with the 2019 U.S. Women's World Cup team. You know, and, and I know we've already had previous conversations about how they, you know, they're starting to kind of change the culture here in America towards soccer um, and, and towards women's sports for that matter. Because um, when we see, you know, all the, yeah, even the boys with some of these the jerseys with some of these players' names on them, um, and, and some of the um, kind of outreach work uh, Megan Rapinoe uh, has been trying to do. I mean, just an, an incredible team from changing the culture. But also, and I think this kind of gets lost sometimes, it's just how dominant they were during the World Cup run as well. Um, they, they went undefeated and actually throughout the entire World Cup run, to the best that my research can uh, find, they only had three points scored on them, and that's it. And, of course, they shut down the Netherlands 2 to nothing in the final. Yeah, the, that U.S. women's team was very dominant. And I, and I do agree with your point about them kind of changing the culture about, you know, soccer, women's soccer, and female sports in general. Now, for me, at number four... I have the 2017 Golden State Warriors. 
this is the uh, nuclear version of the Golden State team you named uh, a couple spots ago. That loss to the Cavs, the Warriors just say, hey, we won 73 games. You know what we should do? Let's add Kevin Durant. They sweep through the whole Western Conference. They swept your Spurs. Zaza Pachulia took out Kawhi Leonard. So you know you have a goon to take out the other team's best player. So that helps them. And then they played the defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers and whooped their butt in every which way possible. And Kevin Durant torches LeBron James. So I have the 2017 Golden State Warriors at number four. Very good pick. That is a very elite team. Wait, Ben, I have a question. What went through your mind when Zaza Pachulia cheap shot at Kawhi? I thought it was a cheap shot. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Daryl. It looked like a dirty play to me. Um, but, you know, on the same token... Even if they've had Kawhi, I don't think the Spurs with Kawhi is going to be good enough to beat that that Golden State Warriors team. Straight up, I'm I'm not seeing it happen. Now, Ben, who do you have at four? At four, I have the um, 2019-2020 LSU football team. Uh, 15-0, coached by... Ed Orgeron, and, you know, they're just an offensive powerhouse from start to finish. Joe Burrow, 60 touchdown passes, set a record. St. Hilaire, uh, their running back, 1,400-plus yards rushing. And then they had uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who both had over 1,500 receiving yards. You know, they they routed Clemson, um, who had won the championship the previous year, 42-25. And uh, also, on their way, they managed to beat Alabama, Georgia, and Oklahoma, as well as my Texas A&M Aggies. So, um, I think they're actually, in my estimation, the best college football team of the last 20 years. And that's why they're in my top five. Yeah, I mean, I have no disagreements there. I have them a little bit higher. But they were dominant last year. This year, they were dominant. Uh, and we saw them play the defending champion, Clemson Tigers, and we saw what they did to them. It seemed they were always going to have an offensive outburst where they put up 30 points in just a quarter, right? And then Joe Burrow is going crazy out there. And it's touchdown pass after touchdown pass after touchdown pass. So definitely LSU's a great pick. Who do you have at number three? The 2001 Los Angeles Lakers. Probably Kobe and Shaq at their peak together. They go 15-1 and one that playoff run. They dominate everybody. And they dominate the Philadelphia 76ers. They just got one game because Allen Iverson played out of his mind. And then after that, the Lakers are like, let's cut this down. You know, let's cut this off. And then they sweep the Sixers for the rest of the series after going down 0-1. Yeah, that team was really good. There is no doubt about that. Now, who do you have at three, Ben? Uh, my number three uh, is the 2000-2001 Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they went 12-4. and um, You know, They managed to win the Super Bowl despite having Trent Dilfer as the quarterback. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. 
Um, the defense was uh, all-time great. They allowed 8.35 points per game, and uh, no team in the playoffs scored more than 10 points against them. And they absolutely destroyed the New York Giants 34-7 in the Super Bowl, and it wasn't even remotely close. Underrated pick. Interesting pick. Ray Lewis at his height. Interesting pick. I, I like it, Ben. I like it. I, that, that's a team that would would have been an honorable mention for me, but I definitely understand why you could have them as high as you do. I guess, I guess just for me, is their offense was so bad. But then you're making the argument that they won despite how bad their offense was, and that just shows how great of a team they actually had. It was, in my opinion, too, um, just like a coming out party for Ray Lewis. I mean, it, it was like, wow, this, this dude has arrived, and he's going to be good for a really long time. And he was. Now, for me now, I'm going to go to my number two pick. I have the 2020 LSU Tigers, led by Joe Burrow, who had the greatest college football season ever for a quarterback and arguably a player. You have Jamar Chase, who uh, wins the Blitnikoff. Justin Jefferson's a first-round draft pick. They have multiple guys that are going to be first-rounders in their secondary all over their defense. It, it was just, it was basically like, you have the best team and the, the other team doesn't. And they were just clearly better than everybody this year. They were dominant. Nobody could stop them. And they put a whooping on Clemson. And the thing about it, what impresses me is, I have a lot of respect for Dabo. I know you do, too, how they run that program. And that doesn't happen. Clemson just doesn't get blown out like that. (laughs) That just speaks to how good LSU is. Clemson is a proud team. They've got, in my opinion, one of the best coaches uh, in college football right now. And and to do the number that LSU did on them in the championship was shocking. Now, who do you have at number two? Number two, and you had to know this was coming eventually, my pick would be the 2013-14 Seattle Seahawks. 13-3, and pretty dominant throughout the entire um, season. And, you know, they just walloped the Denver Broncos in, in the Super Bowl, 43-8, to and just, Daryl, from, from like the opening seconds of the game on, when they recovered that fumble and scored, it was just like, wow, this is over. Um, and I just put them slightly ahead of the Ravens for the fact that, um, you know, I like Russell Wilson a little bit more than Trent Dilfer. I felt like the Legion of Boom maybe is slightly better than the Ravens defense. And also, really interesting stat when you look into it, uh, the Seattle Seahawks defense that year uh, led the league um, as far as least amount of yards allowed, least amount of points allowed, and most overall takeaways at 39. And that was the first time since the 85 Bears that any team in the NFL led all three of those categories. So Seattle was extremely dominant. And who could forget uh, Richard Sherman in the NFC Championship game? That was pretty fun, too. <laughs> One of the best rants ever on Michael Crabtree. God bless Michael. Uh, now, for me, at number one, I have the 2008 Dream Team, the Redeem Team, 
We have Kobe in his prime. We have LeBron. We have Dwayne Wade. We have Carmelo Anthony. They dominated everybody. That's my pick for number one, Ben. Your thoughts? I think that's a really good team as well. Um, I would have probably put them on my list if I felt like they played um, some serious competition. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, honestly, they were they were great. They were amazing. But they really just crushed everybody in their way. Now, who do you have at number one, Ben? Now, number one for me is that 2017-2018 uh, Golden State Warriors team that uh, went 58-14. and um, You know, they were 16-4 in the playoffs, and they beat LeBron and the Cavs 4-0 in the uh, final. And, you know, it, it was just one of the craziest teams I've ever seen. I mean, we talked to about some of those dominant Lakers teams in the early 2000s, but legitimately this team might have had four um, Hall of Famers all in their prime on, on one team at the same time, with Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And also, like you referenced before, KD, Torchin, LeBron, I believe that's game three in Cleveland, and, and I just think from that point on, Kevin Durant was the best player in the world. It was like watching the changing of the guards right before your eyes. Good pick, Ben. I like it. Now, Ben, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Daryl. Anytime. Uh, thank you for having me. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast, for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when Ben comes on. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode, the 169th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Met a man wearing a t-shirt, said Virginia is for lovers, had a Bible in his left hand and a bottle in the other, he said all you're really given is a sunshine in your Started laughing when the sky started to rain.